Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Bob Anderson. Bob has dedicated his career to exploring the intersections between leadership and personal mastery and between competence and consciousness. The creator and author of the Leadership Circle Profile, which is an integrated and innovative leadership assessment tool, Bob is a true pioneer in the field of leadership development and research. As a founder of Leadership Circle, Bob lends his expertise to developing practitioners around the globe to carry on the powerful work derived from his tools and offerings. In addition, Bob recently co-authored Mastering Leadership, an integrated framework for breakthrough performance and extraordinary business results, which I have read and loved, and Scaling Leadership, building organizational capability and capacity to create outcomes that matter most. Let's continue our conversation with Bob. I just want to go back to that story you told a few minutes ago, Bob, about the team, the edgy topic that you're working on, and some people felt disrespected or uncomfortable with the meeting, and the next day, everybody came back together. How did how did the team address what others were experiencing? Was there a person like yourself who said, hey, before we get started today, I think we need to talk about what people experienced yesterday, and let's identify ways to ensure that we don't continue to experience it? I mean, what happened that allowed it to transition to such a fantastic outcome? Well, uh, I don't want to get into content, but uh, things blew up on an email exchange in, in the morning before a meeting, which was to be, which was a preparatory meeting for the session the next day. And I knew there was going to be a lot of emotional fallout. And uh, so I just said that I said, well, we're here again. Um, I know there's feelings in the group about the email exchange this morning. Um, so, and my heart was pounding. Uh, so let's, let's talk about it. And I said, let me start. Here's my, here's my contribution to why I think we're here. And I talked about some of my leadership and where I had not brought clarity role clarity and where I had brought, um, I did that uh, because I was cautious. I didn't want to upset people or diminish people. Um, 
and so on. I said, here's, here's my part of what's brought us to this point. And then people stepped in and just said, here's what's going on for me. And they put on their best listening and um, did some amazing work with each other. Now, this is a highly capable group. They've done a lot of work. Um, they're being able to see their own um, uh, vulnerabilities, beliefs, you know, and stuff that hook them, get in their way. They're able to really listen in an open-hearted, undefended way. And I just asked them, let's put on our best selves here and wait in. And what was it, two-hour meeting? And it took the full two hours. But by the end, we were really ready uh, to be with that group the next day. Well, two things I love about that story, Bob, and thank you for sharing your perspective on it. One is that someone, whether it was you or somebody else, took the lead to talk about it because that might not have happened and people just started to work together and had all of these feelings that were making the relationships and conversations a little bit more complex. But secondly, that as the leader and as a participant in the group, you shared not only things that were going well, but things you could have done differently. And that's such a key behavior and activity for successful leaders who don't believe that just because they are the boss or the head of the meeting or whatever the role is, that they're perfect, right? We see this oftentimes, I think, in politics, where it's very hard for politicians to admit they're wrong or made a mistake. They avoid the question. They answer a different question, right? They just don't have the capability to say, hey, I think we could have done that better. Or, hey, I think maybe if we had done it this way, we would have had a better outcome. And you know, I think that's such, a, such an important lesson for our listeners, but also something that I think is great and creates the likelihood or the greater likelihood that others will do it as well. Yeah, I think the most powerful action you can take in a difficult conversation where there's a problem is to get clear on your part of the problem. How am I showing up? How am I engaging or not engaging? What have I done or not done that exacerbates this problem or keeps it in place? And what happens when I get clear about that is I, I stop blaming. I go, oh, this is what I'm doing. So it's not all their fault. Uh, okay. And if I can drop even deeper into that and get underneath what I'm, my beliefs and assumptions, I, I go, oh, geez, I said, I set it up this way. And I, I actually had an experience with deep conflict and I realized, oh, I set it up. My need, to, you know, my need to be protected to set this whole thing up. And so I dropped completely out of blame and I'm now in, let's have a conversation about how to be in a different dynamic. And that shifts everything in the way that you, the energetic you bring to the conversation. I'm not here to blame. It's not your fault. Let's talk. And I own that. I, the, 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 to um, so put it in words, say, here's what I've done or not done. Here's what I'm doing. I once was talking to my boss. I was, this was years ago when I, and we were, we were really different. He was giving me a hard time. I said, you know, we have really different visions of what we, what, what we want for my department. He said, yeah. 
I said, and what I've done around that is uh, undermine your credibility. I talk about you behind your back. And he goes, I know. <laughs> I I've said, heard. yeah, I know exactly. So I said, yeah, I said, I'm going to stop doing that. Doesn't serve our conversation. I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to continue to move forward unless you tell me no. If you tell me no, I'll stop. But if you don't tell me no, I'm going to keep moving forward and we'll just agree to disagree. We had, and that, that was a breakthrough conversation for us. Well, I love this concept, Bob. And I think if there's one lesson any of our listeners leave with today, and there's already a few that they can integrate into their leadership style, this reflection before you say something to somebody about something they're doing that could be done differently or said differently, look in the mirror and ask yourself, what is my role? How have I impacted what is happening here? If I have, what could I have done differently to have a different outcome that we're having, your likelihood of having a better conversation is significantly greater if you do that. If you go in thinking the other person's wrong and you're now going to set them straight and everything that you have done has been perfect, your likelihood of having a great conversation is diminished because, you know, if you don't handle it well, the first thing that person is going to say, well, what about you? You know, when you do this, you know, you do something very similar. So I think that's a great Great lesson for people to consider today, Bob. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to just shift the conversation, if we can, for a few minutes about demonstrating bravery. So when you either look at courageous authenticity and you touched on a lot of the behaviors associated with being brave and showing courage, you know, what might be two or three, one or two things, Bob, that people can do to demonstrate greater courageous authenticity, to, to be a little bit braver at work than they might be today? Oh, there's so many ways. We talk a lot about engagement and empowerment, involvement. <laughs> it's the scariest thing to do is to really let go to a team and allow a team to learn and struggle and grow when there are, when I have a need to have everything go perfectly or, um, the team's failure is my failure and failure is not an option. So it takes it, you know, we, we say these things casually. Yeah. Let's, let's empower people or let's build a more self-managing organization or we need higher levels of engagement and uh, creative engagement and ownership of the business. We say this and it's true. It's important. And it, if I have a need to be in control, if I have a need um, to have, if I'm defined by my results, you know, we talked about complying. The opposite energy is that I drive results in order to be seen as a stellar, outstanding performer. And my results define me. So the scariest thing I could do is to delegate or involve a team uh, share leadership. Those are scary things to do. And yet they're right at the heart of creating the kind of innovative, adaptive, engaged, agile organization, uh, cultures and systems that we need to be creating in order to thrive in a VUCA environment. Um, same is true of if I'm defined by my ideas. I'm a pretty bright guy. I've leveraged a lot of 
um, my self-worth over the years uh, by my uh, capability with ideas. So it's easy to think I'm defined by them. These ideas are mine. These ideas are me. So to genuinely collaborate around the writing of a book, um, which I've done, <laughs> wasn't easy at first, um, to or the development of new IP, to have people really challenge your ideas, really, like, that is threatening. So uh, there are so many ways that leaders are needing to engage that can challenge the way we've organized our sense of self and thereby we end up in a play not to lose fear, fear-based reactive um, strategy. And so um, just about everything in the top half, there's 18 different key competencies in the top half. Just about every single one of them requires courage, requires courage to articulate a clear vision for the organization because it puts me on the radar screen now. This is what I stand for. This is what I want for our future. Or to drive a strategy that is leading edge, that's non-conventional. Uh, I risk a lot of disagreement and disapproval to make tough decisions, to engage difficult conversations, to express my vulnerability, to listen to someone's in a conflict to really take in their pain, their the the rock in a hard place that they're in between. Um, to not know, we're in a time where knowing, we don't know how to create the futures that are required of us now. Nobody does. We're in a, we're in consulting situations in large organizations where they're taking on global challenges that nobody in the room knows how to solve for. And they will, but they don't start from a place of knowing. So how do you lead as a leader from not knowing? If you're, that's an uncomfortable place to be. Absolutely. You know, and I love how you, mentioned at the start of your commentary about delegation, and I had never thought about until today, and in fact, in the last couple of minutes as you were talking, that delegation does require bravery. A lot of the yes. leaders I work with believe that no one could do it as well as them, right? That if it's going to get done well, I'm going to have to do it myself. And, you know, I've been in that role. I've grown up in the company. And uh, part of it is not knowing how to delegate, right? So there's a little bit of a technical uh, process that you need to go through in order to give people work and hold them accountable and follow up and things of that nature. But a more compelling piece is your lack of desire to give it up because you don't want to lose. You do want to win. You want to make sure it's done as good as possible. And you've got to kind of break through that to give other people work to do. As I like to tell my clients, this is why you have employees there. You know, they're here for a reason and it's to do this work, not for you to do this work. So, you know, let them do it. And I, I agree with you. I think that requires bravery. You know, Bob Keegan's book, Immunity to Change, uh, it gets the title from the research on people with life-threatening illnesses that are prescribed a drug and they don't take it. Most of the time, people don't take, like if you're, if you're heart disease or something like that, they don't take the drugs. Uh, 
because if you get underneath it, it confronts their fear of mortality or their fear of aging. This is a symbol of my aging or something that's hard to face, takes courage to face. So we all have these immunity to change uh, aspects. That's what we call reactive, this moving away from what we, of, of our fear. And that creates a kind of oscillation behavior and immunity to change. We stay within the zone of tolerable conflict. And to break out of that, to move into taking an action that's outside that zone always requires courage and we always have a natural immunity to it. We've organized our life at this level of equilibrium. And so uh, bravery just is kind of the deal with leadership. There's no safe way to be great. There's no great way to be safe. There's no safe way to lead. It's inherently risky. And that's just the deal. Well, if I just heard you correctly, you said that immunity to change has to do with people who need to take a medicine or prescription in order to deal with a condition they have, but they right. don't take it. Yes. And it's yes. because they believe taking it is a reflection of either their age or frailty or mortality. It's not a conscious thought. It's there's in the literature they call it they're subject to it. It's unconscious. I'm not aware of it. So much of the kind of dynamics we're talking about, most people are subject to. When I woke up to I want to lead and I got everybody, I want everybody to like me. Prior to that, I was being managed by a hidden assumption that my worth is in your hands and I maintain it by having you like me in every moment. Think highly of me. I didn't see that. I wasn't aware of it. I thought of myself as a really effective leader. And when I saw it, it was an epiphany. And it was also, when I saw it, I knew it was an illusion. It wasn't true. It's actually not true. It feels true. Moving in the opposite direction to take an action that might risk your disapproval felt like the kiss of death. Um, but um, this, is the, this is the hard work of really fundamentally shifting these patterns is to face some of the core uh, uh, assumptions that organize them. And, and they're usually wrapped with some pain. So it's um, not, this is not easy work. But when you said delegation, uh, we, you know, we've been doing training for years on delegation and or, you know, how to, you know, involve the team more in decision making or whatever. And it doesn't take because it uh, confronts these deeper levels of I'm OK if I'm the one that's always getting it right. If I want to do something, I got to do it myself. Well, the, the corollary to that is if I don't do it myself and it doesn't go well, I'm on the hook and I'm not OK. Mm -hmm. And until I grapple with that and uh, manage that risk, I won't delegate very effectively, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if at all. And that's my immunity to change coming in, kicking in. I know I need to do it. You've convinced me. It'll help me. It'll help me scale myself as a leader. And I still don't do it. Well, this is one of the reasons I love 360 assessments. And whether it's a narrative where you interview people or an online assessment, 
It gives you a baseline on how people are currently experiencing you in the workplace and then a choice to say, is that how I believe I should be and want to be? Because someone could choose even if there's critical feedback that, hey, that's just part of the job and I'm just going to live with it. Or, hey, I'm not comfortable that people feel that way. That's not how I want to be seen. I want to do something about it. But it creates for most folks, I think, a baseline of how they are experienced so they can choose to do something about it. Bob, it has been fantastic speaking with you today. Your thoughts and insights and experiences are deep and I can tell even evolving as time continues to pass. So thank you so much for being a guest today. And if folks want to reach out and find out more about your work, uh, you and your organization, how can they do that? Uh, Well, the Leadership Circle uh, is our website. It's Leadership Circle, one word, leadershipcircle.com. And uh, just go there and you'll see our work. Fantastic. Bob, thank you once again for being a guest on Be Brave at Work. My pleasure, Ed. Wonderful to be with you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore Being Brave at Work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.